Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Taliban also has to make an assessment about what they want their role to be in the international community. ...to leave their villages, defy their fathers. I've seen it myself. I've been there. And, I mean, I know this is not your sole job, so, but you are the person that, that is speaking for the U.S. government right now. And don't we have a moral responsibility to do something for these people? Just today, the White House repeated the president is not going to change his position. He's been consistent on that. Even when he was vice president, that was his position. He disagreed with the surge. We, we all know that. But- I'm not going to answer any more questions on Afghanistan. Look, it's 4th of July. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an Air Force, against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Is it, can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They, so, did not, they didn't, did not reach that conclusion. So what is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse? The Afghan government. Stephanie Ramos asking the president about the Taliban's rapid gains. There's irrefutable evidence that a vast majority of those Afghan forces cannot hold ground there. Has your current plan to withdraw U.S. troops changed at all? They've got to fight for themselves fight for their nation. We're going to continue to keep our commitment, but I do not regret my decision. Yeah, court. Uh, you said a couple of times that you're concerned with the speed with which the Taliban has moved, but I think the big question is not the concern about the speed, but surprise. So again, I have to ask, is, is, the, is, is the military or the Pentagon or the administration or everyone surprised by how fast the, the Taliban has been able to move through parts of the country? Courtney, we saw the Taliban making advances even before the Biden administration came into office. We saw the Taliban making advances at the district level 
before the president made his decision. Not like we're seeing now. This is a different ballgame in the last week or so. So, I mean, these specific gains, taking these major cities like Kandahar, Herat, Lashkagah, it looks like it's fallen. I mean, has that caught the military off guard, the, the speed with which they've we, been able to do it? We have been watching this uh, from a, a very early period, uh, right after the president uh, gave us the order to draw down. We certainly have been watching what the Taliban is doing. We, we have noted, and we have noted with great concern, uh, the speed with which they have been moving um, and, the, um, uh, and the lack of resistance that they have faced. And we have been nothing but honest about that. And I think I'll leave it there. What about the lack of resistance that they may face in Kabul? Is there a concern that the Afghan military will not fight for Kabul? Th that's a question for Afghan leadership uh, to determine for themselves. Obviously, uh, we, as I've said from the beginning, we want to see the will and the political leadership, the military leadership that's required in the field. We still want to see that, uh, and we hope to see that. But whether it happens or not, whether it pans out... I've just returned to the New York and would like to speak to you about the grave situation in Afghanistan. Even a country that has tragically known generations of conflict, Afghanistan is in the throes of yet another chaotic and desperate chapter. With respect to Afghanistan, our primary military objective at this point is a change of mission to conduct a safe, responsible, coordinated and deliberate retrograde of U.S. forces from Afghanistan in good order. We will do this in a synchronized fashion, shoulder to shoulder with our allies and NATO partners, and we've been steadily reducing our presence for almost a decade, and we are now in the final phase of that strategic retrograde. Tragically, former President Trump slashed our international assistance to Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras slash the resources that we were contributing to address the root causes of irregular migration. Another reason is the end of the cruel policies of the past administration and the restoration of the rule of laws of, the, of this country that Congress has passed, including our asylum laws that provide humanitarian relief. And thirdly and importantly, is the resurgence and welcome back to flyover politic podcast it's 15th of August, year of our Lord, 2021, and as you can see by that intro, going to be a lot of Afghanistan today. <clears throat> I will not be taking the usual conservative, let's pin the tail on the Biden, because that's stupid. It's been four administrations. Started with Bush. Obama really did the most damage you could do to a war fighting when we made the row kind of like New York City cops right now. Trump tried to end it. All these people stopped him because they didn't want him to end it so they could end it. And while we were all doing it, 
we prepped nothing for a country that was never going to be able to float itself because they're tribal. But we'll get to it in a second. Also, you saw my orcas. Uh, what, else, what else did I have in that beautiful little montage of fuck? A fuckitude. A fuckatash. It was a bunch of fuckatash. Um, you got the whole Biden administration just bullshitting. I have multiple videos I could have played, but it wouldn't take it of literally just, I mean, shit, shit's heading to fucking Iran right now. Our tanks. This is Iraq all over again. Uh, you got the UN secretary. You got people getting beat in the street. You got General Milley, who I'll talk about a lot. And Chris Cuomo. I, I couldn't skip that because that guy's just a douche. All right? He's just a douche. But before we get into our main subject, let's do some ash and trash. Da, da, da. 80% of Americans, and this ring light is totally in the way, I'm noticing. I, I don't understand. Let's try that. Oh, there we go. Hell yeah. I'll, I'll read it at an angle. I'll do it live, goddammit. Oh, wait a minute. I just did a Bill O'Reilly. Uh, 80% of America blame him for inflation. They don't like that. They don't like it at all. So they once again ignored it. Yeah, that's the funny thing about Democratic administrations. When you have a bad poll and you do the poll, you just don't air it. But we had a poll a week that people hated Trump for some reason, like the way he tied his shoes. Eh, it's part of it. And then we have this lump of shit. This is how far CNN will go to pillory red state. All right, more breaking news. We have a sad development we just learned of out of Florida. WFOR is reporting that four teachers from Broward County have died of COVID in a single day. The teacher's union chief told the affiliate that three of the four, at least three of the four, were unvaccinated. The status of the fourth not currently known. The county, of course, in a tense standoff with Governor Ron DeSantis over masks. DeSantis is threatening the district for for requiring masks be worn in the schools. Uh, since August 1st, we're told that Broward County had 138 employees test positive. That is stunning, right, that number. And as we understand it, two of these teachers are actually from the same school. I, I think this is going to this is going to be met, obviously, with a lot of grief by that community. And it's just showing the cost of COVID there, especially for the unvaccinated. In one day. Uh, and this is the context with which these officials in Broward County are asking for the freedom to make the decisions that they think are right for their schools. Yeah, to protect not just the kids, mm -hmm. right, but the teachers as well. Can you spot the difference? Can you spot the difference? That's from our last show. Um, yeah, yeah, they're not in session. That's the difference. The difference is school's not in session. So how did that become a story? They played it off like it was a story because DeSantis, we got to beat DeSantis down and DeSantis is pos pop popular and you know, 2024 is here really soon. Can't have anybody be popular as a Republican. Yeah. So that, there's so many horseshit stories when we get to COVID today, but I wanted this one up front because, yeah, they, they just are garbage people. Then, of course, I watched this. This was actually, I don't watch baseball. Baseball was my favorite sport. I was the only sport I was ever good at. I was a catcher with like a 600 batting average in Little League. I mean, I could hit the ball in all levels. When I played in senior level, the top, down to peewee, I could 
play. But then my parents got divorced, and for some reason I just wanted to quit. And I really regret it because that was really the sport that I was good at. Um, I could throw it on a dime to second base. By the time I was 11, nobody stole. I was the slinger, they said. All these older men coaches like in my arm. But, um, yeah, this was fantastic. It was heartwarming. It made us watch the movie again because I haven't watched Field of Dreams forever. Um but then the media got a hold of it. So, yeah. Too white. Too many white people. Can't have that. We still got to shit on everything that people might like. But a walk-off home run, that's pretty fucking cool. And then we get into the Fox News stuff. Now, I'm going to play a soundbite really quick. I hope I have it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Do we remember the last time somebody attacked a... It was CNN. I'm pissed. You're more diplomatic than I am. I'm pissed. Do you know why I'm pissed? And I hate that word. But that's how I feel today. I... You remember that? Those evil mega people and they're trying to kill CNN, but we never really heard anything about it. Well, we had the envelope. Then we had all these people. I'm not going to play it. You're Nazis. Yeah, this is good stuff. You're all racist. You're Nazis. You're Zionists. You're KKK. They burned Tucker Carlson's face, to which he quipped. Yeah, um, I'm pretty proud to be burned with the American flag, which is really kind of it was a good response. This one is Antifa entering Fox News, colorized, circa 1933. I mean, th these people, I, I just, once again, no coverage. I didn't even hear about it on Fox, which my wife had in the background when she was painting. They, they didn't even talk about it. Because why would they? Number one journalistic and thing, don't make yourself the new news. And then we have this. The census came out, and that was a big thing. And... It was part of the reason why they were pissed off at Tucker. But this is Jennifer Rubin, a, the, a more diverse, more inclusive society. This is foulless news. Now we need to prevent minority white rule. These people are so pathetic. They actually either went with this or they went with, oh, no, we lost more or whatever Talib was doing. I, I don't know. I want to remind you again the timeline. We had, like, articles for a month about this. This was just huge shit. This was gigantic. It was it was insurmountable. Trump people, Trump's rhetoric, even though we were all saying it's your rhetoric. You guys are saying crazy shit. You constantly say crazy shit. But it happened because of the census. And here's Tucker on immigration. And this is what set off the mob that sent white powder to Fox News. 
Julia Rosas is a senior writer at Town Hall. I don't know how long he's been on our southern border, but a long time he's still there. He joins us from there tonight. Julio, thanks so much uh, for coming on. So you've you've actually covered this, unlike virtually everyone else commenting on it, including me. How do you compare what the administration is saying in public with what you're seeing? I mean, it's quite simple, and it's the fact that they're lying. I mean, I don't know how this is not a bigger deal. Here we have the DHS secretary admitting what most of the rest of the country already knows, that the current crisis at the border is not sustainable. I mean, we have, I mean, just today, the Rio Grande Valley sector uh, chief tweeted out that in one day they encountered 4,000 immigrants. I mean, th that, that's absurd. This, and we're in August now, and it gets 100 degrees down there on a consistent right. basis. Instead, what we're seeing... Uh, we have the, the defenders of the administration and the media focusing on racist Republicans being concerned about COVID that some of these immigrants bring when they get released by Border Patrol, completely ignoring the fact the high positivity rates, but also ignoring the Democrats who are at the border. Just yesterday, they had a press conference. Uh, the Hidalgo County judge, Latino Democrat, the Webb County judge, Latino Democrat, the mayor of Laredo, Latino Democrat, Congressman Henry, Henry Cuellar, Latino Democrat. They were all expressing concern because they have these migrants, some of them have COVID, and they don't have the ability to take care of them. And so they have to spend money to send them elsewhere because or else then there'd be a problem with COVID there. And so, I mean, this whole thing is just so maddening, especially as someone who's been down there for, for multiple weeks just this year and seeing the human misery. I mean, heck, I've been called a racist for highlighting the human misery that yeah. the, these open border policies bring. But I mean, that's fine because the truth is on my side. And it's just so funny, I mean, for people who are doing this to win elections and get cheap domestic help to call you a racist because you're pointing out the suffering of migrants from Guatemala is, is, is like peak insanity. And I'm just glad you're not intimidated by it at all, clearly. Julio, thank you for joining us. Good to see you. Thank you. So we know very well that Tony Fauci is strongly in favor of... It seems like just the other day that America's self-described moral leaders were denouncing us for pointing out the obvious. Democrats are intentionally accelerating demographic change in this country for political advantage. So rather than convince people to vote for them, that's called democracy, they're counting on brand new voters. That's what we said on the show. Immediately after we said that, they became completely hysterical. They tried to pull us off the air. They said we were espousing something called the Great Replacement Theory, a well-known racist fantasy. Right. In other words, shut up. And then this week, the new census numbers came out. Here's what those numbers show. The number, not the proportion, but the absolute number of Americans who describe themselves as white has dropped for the first time in our history since the census began back in 1890. The total decline is around 5 million people. Now that is huge. Experts who study demographics for a living were shocked by it. They'd never seen anything like this. Why did this happen? Where did all these people go and why? They're Americans, remember. Well, as leading Democrats put it again and again, who cares? Fewer white people in America is a great thing, and we should celebrate. Right now, Stephen Miller and Donald Trump are at Mar-a-Lago, and they're throwing up because this is not the America they want to see. I was at the White House the other day, and guess who's got Stephen Miller's <laughs> old office? Her name is Susan Rice, and she's Su one of us. And guess who is in Ivanka Trump's old office? Julie Rodriguez. Who? She is Cesar Chavez's oh, granddaughter. Did you hear that? Her name is Susan Rice. She's one of us. Meaning she's Democrat? No. It means she's not white. Us is the non-white people cheering the extinction of white people. That was on television. Think about that for a minute. It's hard to think about it, actually, because it's that evil. And if you wanted to encourage 
permanent racial division, maybe even violence in America, that is exactly how you would talk on television. These people are completely out of control. They are dangerous. And it's not just CNN analysts who are talking this way. By the way, once again, there is no more divisive thing that you could say on television. There is no way you could more quickly and more permanently wreck the country than to encourage people to gloat over the decline of a race. Seriously? Imagine any other race. People talking like that. It's, it's nuts, actually. But again, members of Congress are talking that way, or even fake ones. Here's Eleanor Holmes Norton, who pretends to serve in Congress. Look at where the population is, and that's how we win or have to try to win in the census numbers. Because the population growth has been in the cities and, and in the suburbs, among minorities, uh, and that's what gives us some leverage. Got that? Democrats win when we have fewer white people in the country, and that's why they're celebrating the new census numbers. She just said that out loud. You should never say anything like that out loud, but they are. At the Washington Post, columnist Jennifer Rubin cheering. Fewer she wrote, you can look it up, is, quote, fabulous news. Now we need to prevent minority. Do you recognize that phrase? Oh, South Africa. That's what she wants, South Africa. She said it. We didn't. We would never say something like that. But wait a second, you ask. What about the numbers? What happened to all those white people who are now missing from the census? Well, it turns out many of them perished in the opioid epidemic. Hundreds of thousands of young Americans, mostly from rural communities, dead from drug overdoses. A columnist from the Washington Post is cheering that. Their deaths are fabulous, she says. It's hard even to know how to respond to that. No, I put them both in there because, once again, we're going to get to COVID today and that little gimp that was in there making up shit about Broward County. 40% of illegals are testing positive for COVID, but you and I need to be in a mask. Even though we got our vaccines, we're the carriers. You're the piece of shit. Don't forget it. It's all you. So that, that's what set it off, and he's right. It's a replacement theory. If you think Democrats are letting 2 million people through the southern border and want to legalize 30 million, 20 million, the Harvard guy, 25 million, the 11 million that they say is a, a line that actually is not true. If you think it's just because they care about people and it's not about voting, look where they're dumping all these damn immigrants. The red districts, folks. They're not stupid. Everything, it is like Hunt for Red October again. Russia don't take a dump without a plan, son. Well, that, that the Democrats don't do anything unless it gets some more voters. Republicans are no different, but Republicans don't own the mass media and get away with just murder, literally. They can say whatever they want. Nobody fucking cares. They can have rhetoric. I mean, I could have done two things with the Fox News. I could have played Tucker, or I could play just reams of them saying Fox News is killing America and killing Mama and killing Grandma and killing, killing, killing. They are the virus. I mean, come on. Wolf gets away with that all the time. They, they censor news because they don't like the source. I wanted to cover this briefly because... This, you know, I, I'm not a Rand Paul fan, but his wife bought stock. Factcheck.org owns $2 billion worth of stock for this 
COVID vaccine stuff. They're lefties. You didn't know that. But you know that Kelly Paul bought some stock. Come on, people. They all do it. This is pretty funny. Seltzer crashed his fucking ratings by 500,000. That shows it. That's pretty good. This one. New intelligence reports indicate fresh efforts by Russia to interfere in the 2022 election. So here we go. Dems are seeing the writing on the wall. We're back to Russia, Russia, Russia. <laughs> CNN, the most trusted name in news. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which brings us to the stand. Um, that, let me just play a bumper of this stuff. I mean, we're already starting to worry about Biden's legacy. Oh, that picture didn't come out. That fucking sucks. Let me fix it. Despite the accelerated exit, State Department spokesman Ned Price insisted yesterday the United States has not given up on the Afghan people. Well, the message we are sending to the people of Afghanistan is one of enduring partnership. This is not abandonment. This is not an evacuation. Uh, This is not the wholesale withdrawal. What this is, uh, is a reduction in the size of our civilian footprint. Ned Price at the State Department said this wasn't uh, abandonment, this wasn't evacuation. It's exactly what it is. This administration appears quite clear they're going to cut the cord and get out. So uh, we got to be thinking about uh, follow on steps in an event that ensures American citizens, our allies, those who work alongside us, the interpreters, for example, can get out as well. Very dark moment. We are failing in keeping the leverage here. Uh, at this point, there's really no way back that I can see for the administration. But, you know, Admiral, again, talking about um, the United States of America and, and, and our place in the world, it, we're, we're not Aruba or Luxembourg. Uh, we, we can't wash our hands of a situation because we we grow tired or bored of it. And the United States, I'm sorry, can you explain why the United States can't just say, you know, we're tired of this. We're going to leave Iraq. I want to go over to the State Department. Kylie Atwood is there. And Kylie, what are you hearing from your sources about the diplomatic efforts going on right now? Well, listen, the pace at which the security situation is deteriorating in Afghanistan has taken U.S. officials by surprise. And I think it's important to note that as this unfolds, this is a situation that threatens to permanently stain President Biden's foreign policy legacy. He has repeatedly said that the U.S. is going to leave Afghanistan. He knows that Americans are with him in that. But the U.S. State Department has also said they are engaged uh, in talks with the Taliban. Those talks have, however, gone nowhere. And the situation that the Biden administration is facing right now is alarming. Of course, there's expectation that there will be more Taliban atrocities. Uh, Human rights for women and girls are clearly under threat as the Taliban uh, come in and take over areas where they had some rights uh, provided to them because of what happened over the last 20 years. That is now all going by the wayside. And there's also the situation evolving with these Afghans who worked alongside U.S. diplomats and U.S. forces over the last 20 years. 
it is not assured that all of those folks are going to get safely out of the country as the Taliban continues to make these gains. Now, it's our reporting that the White House is continuing to stick by uh, the president here. They don't see grand political implications for the president and his efforts to double down on his decision to get U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. That is because the American people are largely with him in this. The other thing that is fueling their determination here is if you take a step back and look at foreign policy broadly, they see China as the long-term uh, threat to the U.S. when it the U.S. is trying to get the Taliban to at least spare the embassy or else risk losing future foreign aid. Is that true? Well, the Taliban have said themselves uh, that they have no intention of targeting diplomatic facilities. Uh, of course, um, that is uh, written into uh, international law that they not do so. Uh, we are not going to trust uh, anything the Taliban says. What we're going to be looking for uh, is what they do, what we um, can tell through all sources of information that they plan to do. That's why we're taking these uh, prudent steps right now uh, to relocate uh, some of our civilian personnel, uh, to take them potentially out of harm's way. Uh, because again, uh, this president attaches the utmost priority, the safety and security uh, of the American people. Just as we conduct this reduction in the size of our civilian footprint, uh, we are going to remain engaged with the people of Afghanistan on a consular basis, on a political basis, on a diplomatic basis, and of course, a humanitarian basis going forward. Now, I know I've exhausted our time, uh, so thank you very much. Thanks for coming forward and, and taking the questions. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. You bet. And let's bring in our panel for more on this dangerous conflict. New York Times Pentagon correspondent Helene Cooper and Ben Rhodes, former Deputy National Security Advisor for President Obama. Uh, thank you both. Helene, let's talk with what we just heard from Ned about the drawdown. And we can only uh, assume the standard procedures involve shredding documents, securing the embassy. There's some 1,400 people that we know of. Tell us about this, this troop deployment and how this is going to work. Our, our own reports from Courtney Kuby and others is that there are differing accounts of how soon Kabul could fall. Some are within this weekend. Uh, there really are. Uh, hi, Andrea, and hello, Ben. Um, I, we started yesterday morning uh, reporting uh, based on conversations that um, we, I had had and other reporters had had with senior uh, administration officials that there was a very real fear that Kabul could fall within 30 days. And I remember calling the news desk and we, I mean, that was, a, that was considered big news uh, at the time yesterday morning. By yesterday evening, uh, Andrea, the assessments were quickly changing and people were talking instead of, you know, within the next month, people were talking about within the next few weeks and then within the next days. It's stunning just how quickly uh, things have, have really uh, 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 just, uh, the, the pace of the Taliban advance has been, I think, very surprising. Varia GPS, uh, Free, great to have you with us. Uh, you heard what the Pentagon Press Secretary uh, John Kirby told me, that money can't uh, buy the will to fight and that they did not anticipate uh, this collapse on the part of the Afghan security forces. Uh, why do you think the, the Biden administration was caught by surprise uh, in all of this? They won't admit it, but they were. Yeah, I think I think everyone was caught by surprise at the extent to which uh, this has collapsed. The most important thing to look at in all of this, Jim, is when the Taliban has been taking these cities, Kandahar, Kunduz, Herat, there have been very few casualties. 
What does that mean? The Afghan army is not actually fighting. It is melting away. That is a 300,000 person army trained for 20 years with, as you say, tens of billions of dollars of American money with an air force. And it just doesn't fight. It melts away. Now, that tells you that, you know, that we've handled this kind of at a very broad macro level wrong, which was we tried, we decided that we were going to stabilize Afghanistan by destroying and defeating the Taliban rather than trying to incorporate them. And I say this with the benefit of hindsight. I don't know what I was saying two years ago. It does seem as though the Taliban cannot be defeated. Part of Afghan society, they represent part of the Pashtuns in Afghanistan, the largest ethnic group. And, you know, because what they have is passion, tenacity and will. It does remind me, Jim, of South Vietnam. We stayed there for years and years. 500,000 American troops spent billions of dollars. And at the end of the day, if you talk to the military people on the ground, what they would tell you is the one thing we lacked was the South Vietnam Vietnamese army just wouldn't fight. Well, that's the problem here. The Afghan army just won't fight. It's maddening because we, we seem to have bought a military for the Afghan security forces, and now that's going to belong to the Taliban, it seems. But uh, Admiral Kirby uh, continues to say no outcome is inevitable, uh, but the U.S. Embassy in Kabul is instructing personnel to destroy sensitive materials. Uh, it, that seems to be an admission that they expect Kabul to fall. I, I think you'd, ha you'd be crazy not to be planning for that. As you point out, you don't, you're not hearing from the president of Afghanistan. You're not hearing about counteroffensives. You're not hearing about regrouping. You know, some of these cities uh, have fallen before. Uh, Kunduz, for example. There are reports from our own embassy that uh, there have been beheadings, there have been executions, that the Taliban, as you've just heard, going door to door. Women are texting and calling uh, colleagues of ours here in, in Washington saying the situation is dire, that they're being targeted. Girls are being taken hostage as, quote, child brides. Well, we would call that kidnapping and rape. Um, what is our moral obligation to the people of Afghanistan? Any government that takes Afghanistan by force, that takes power by force, won't be recognized. Uh, that's very important. Uh, it's a very important signal to the Taliban. The Taliban is already being received as official diplomats in Beijing and Moscow and Tehran. So for all of those promises, uh, even if they cared about recognition, they are accomplishing on the ground all the recognition they need. They are imminently going to get the capital itself. And they are well, already being recognized by, by, by China and Russia. Women are being killed. They're being targeted for doing what we asked them to do, what we encouraged them to do for 20 years to join civil society, to get educated, to leave their villages, defy their fathers. I've seen it myself. I've been there. And I mean, I know this is not your sole job, so, but you are the person that, that is speaking for the U.S. government right now. And don't we have a moral responsibility to do something for these people? Just today, the White House repeated the president is not going to change his position. He's been consistent on that. Even when he was vice president, that was his position. Mark Jacobson is here. He's a combat veteran who served in Afghanistan in 2006. He also served in Kabul as a deputy NATO representative and was a senior advisor to Defense Secretary Ash Carter. Mark, I start with you. Your reaction to what is unfolding? 
it's really hard to find words. Uh, I, I said just the other day that my concern is that this is not just uh, going to look like Syria, but more like Rwanda. Uh, I, I think the actions of the administration right now are a bit shameful. Um, and I only say that given what we've seen in the last 24 hours. The president has owned this, and he made a decision that he views as the right one. But the dissembling and refusal to use words like abandonment and evacuation, when that's exactly what's going on, says to me that people aren't comfortable with this decision. I'm also very concerned about the speed at which the Taliban are retaking the country. Let me show you the president's address to the nation just a few weeks ago on this topic. The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. Do you stand by those words, Rick Stengel? And do you think President Biden does? I, I would agree with what he said. What we're seeing here is a tragedy. It's not an American tragedy, however. It's an Afghan tragedy. And uh, after 20 years, we thought they would be able to defend themselves. We've spent hundreds of billions uh, of dollars there. And uh, it hasn't quite worked out as we thought. Um, if it's just the speed that with which this is happening, then that's an optical problem. I, Rick, I, I think you're missing something here. And it's really hard for me to disagree with you. But, you know. The <laughs> With respect to Afghanistan, our primary military objective at this point is a change of mission to conduct a safe, responsible, coordinated, and deliberate retrograde of U.S. forces from Afghanistan in good order. We will do this in a synchronized fashion, shoulder to shoulder with our allies and NATO partners, and we've been steadily reducing our presence for almost a decade, and we are now in the final phase of that strategic retrograde. As you know, we've been transferring steadily functions and responsibilities to the Afghan security forces for a considerable amount of time. The President of the United States has given us a window to be complete no later than September. I don't want to here put precise dates in public on our exact milestones because there are many variables that will factor in to the ultimate outcome. I'm confident, however, that our ability to meet the objective in the time frame that the President has directed. Lot to unpack there. You heard it. Worried about legacies. 
That poor Kirby guy. Some more Millie that I'll talk about in a second. <clears throat> that was Dostum's palace at the end. They, they've already taken over. And if you don't know who Dostum is, then watch 12 Strong. That, that's Dostum. Yeah. The original general that helped us win the war, supposedly. This is a State Department employee. Woke up with a heavy heart thinking about all the Afghan women girls working with during my time at Kabul. They were the beneficiaries of many of the gains we made, and now they stand to lose everything. We empowered them to lead. Now we are powerless to protect them. She was told to delete it. I would take it off the... It's all about women bullshit. And I would go more with the great people that I met over there. The farmers. The guy from Chicago. I'm going to back over because he wanted his country back. Good dude. We talked every day in Oregon E, SF base. There's a lot of people that woke up pretty sad on this. I mean, you expected it. And as uh, Dennis in New York, who reached out last night, they told us they were going to do this. They, 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 they don't want to be ruled. The problem has always been, if you listen to any back episode of this, this is a country that, since Alexander the Great, they're tribal. They don't understand a central government. When we first trained them, they all went back to their district. They don't want to defend a country. And they're Islamic. Islamic fighters, other than the Al-Qaeda, they don't really want to mix it up. That's why you see a lot of pictures of them shooting like this over berms. Money? Who has the most ammo? They'll just walk away. That's what they do. So they were paper champion all in all, all along, and we knew they were paper champion. But for whatever reason, what is wrong with my slideshow? Here's all the things they have already. Up armor. Shit is heading to the fucking border. They were initially told to prepare to evacuate. This all happened really quick because you saw Biden said nothing was going to happen, which I'll get to in a second. You know, it's it, they're such a big army. They're going to protect themselves. Seize U.S. weapons and military equipment as they accelerate the takeover. They got tanks. There's helicopters flying over there now. Taliban now control two-thirds of Afghanistan. How did it happen so quickly, PBS asks. You saw my run in there, it, seconds to this. They're not covering it. They don't want to hurt the guy. Somebody's done a picture of the fall of Saigon and Biden eating ice cream. Joe Biden, there's going to be no circumstances where you see people lifted off an air, uh, the embassy. Mehdi Hassin. Oh, then we got 72 hours. Let me see. Do I have the Mehdi Hassin? Th this stuff is so sad. I mean, it's just, it's so sad. This is just the timeline one guy came up with of the staff just freaking out because they were told nothing's going to happen. Somebody called it Operation Clusterfuck. This was day to day. The media is saying it's not going to fall, then it's going to fall because they didn't want to put out the truth because Biden, they don't want to hurt Biden. This is one of my posts. I'll, I'll do it more in depth. 
this is what I I, I want to talk about in a second. Th- th- this is what I want to talk about. Many have seen the Taliban are murderous war criminals. Yes, weird then that your boss Trump wanted to host them at Camp David. It's all politics for these people. Just stunning. From Russia to the Taliban, Country Smug takes a look at how well the Biden doctrine is working. That's the right making politics out of it. Pentagon spokesman saying Taliban were making advances even for the Biden. It's Trump's fault. We knew that was going to happen. And then the deployments. We went from 1,000 to a 3,000 to now 5,000. So it's 8,000 troops are surging over. But as of this morning, it sounds like the Kabul airport's been taken over. So I don't know where they're going to land. I really don't know where they're going to land. Army Times or Military.com, Marine Vanguard lands at Kabul. They're the only ones got in there. Taliban sweep across Afghanistan, three more cities. They took Kandahar yesterday. The White House is now fighting a Taliban onslaught with sternly worded statements. I don't think the Taliban give a damn what the international community thinks. The first piece by task and purpose I've seen critical of Biden. Because since he took over, if he said we're going to hand over all our M1s to China, they wouldn't have a problem with it because it's all about them. It's all about politics. Britt Hume, not confident that Biden and Ming's current Afghanistan strategy will stop the Pentagon. Uh, you sure? That ought to do it. Taliban not expected to help heed UN chiefs call for immediate halt because they're just they're doing words and it's too late. Kabul not but may not be a combat mission in name, but it's certainly dangerous, military.com says. Now every Taliban fighter gets his own Humvee, and those are the pictures I showed you. There's just everything. We left it. They have it. It's on the way to Iran. They were driving it yesterday. Tom Cotton says U.S. Embassy in Kabul tweets about the Taliban sum up the Biden foreign policy. U.S. Embassy Kabul, we're hearing additional reports of Taliban executions of surrounding Afghan troops. Deeply disturbing. And they go through all the stuff that's happening. Tom Cotton, hashtags against Taliban sum up the Biden foreign policy. Yeah, you might have scored points, but you're part of it too, Tom Cotton. This one will hurt for a long time. U.S. veterans despair as Taliban claim much of Afghanistan. I'm going to just focus on this guy. Because Greg Kelly's right. Now understand, since Obama, the officer corps realized... Because they listen to the media and they all read the New York Times and Washington Post and watch CNN. Because any of you are an old soldier, CNN was the network. It was never Fox. I mean, since the Gulf War, guys like me watch CNN. I even watched CNN when they became super liberal because that's just what we watched. We used to call it S2. Get your intel from CNN. So Petraeus was the beginning of we're going to be libtards. And we realize the future is Democrat. And because the future is Democrat, we're going to go with whatever the Democrats say because demographics and shit. And they'll be in charge. And, and it part of me understands, hey, listen. 
you want a career in the military, you're going to have to be whatever the politicians want because we're run by civilians. So they became woke. Biden comes in. QAnon, white supremacists are all in the army. They run the army, you're told. And so Millie, he's got that whole line, and I could replay it, of him talking about how the Reichstag moment, and they're all Nazis, and these are American citizens. And if you roll the tape, I was pretty outraged. That's been his focus. Woke. <clears throat> Wokeifying. Doing all the BLM stuff, making sure that a uh, senior NCO writes an NCOER and has to go through a uh, HR board. He knew this was happening. He knew this was going to happen. So I'm putting this out there to the never Trumpers, Democrats. CNN, as a career soldier, and even though I've been 15 years removed, 16, this next month, the 16 years I've been out of the military, that's the longest job I ever had, or will ever have. This job I have right now, God, maybe five years to let me stay, but then I'll be 58, and they'll be like, get the fuck out. If I make it that long, you're not political. Yes, the foreign and domestic shit that the left and CNN's been taking loads of KY and jerking to, and it's so awesome to see General Milley strike a blow against those fascist Trump mega people, peasant motherfuckers. But his job is to defend the United States. This man lied about truth stripes in Syria, did kinetic action without the President of the United States authorizing it. That's all reported, but it wasn't reported as, oh my God, I can't believe a general did this to, what a hero, fuck Trump. And now since January, he spent all his time working on woke, looking in. Military's full of white supremacy. You get Kidnon. Kidnon's everywhere. Gotta read it out. So I'd say to everybody who loves Biden, why didn't he brief Biden? Why was Biden out there saying they're going to kick ass, take names? He knew they were a paper champion. He knew they were not. Yeah, Mr. T. I'm going back to Mr. T. You're a paper champion. He knew it. He knew they would fall. But he never briefed it. He got on air and said they're going to kick ass. Because that's what the party was saying. His party. The Democratic Party. Not the United States. Not what his job is. To be objective and tell the truth. And maybe I look at it differently because I was an NCO. Officers were in charge, leader, you know, civilians were in charge of them. I advise. If the lieutenant doesn't want to listen, there's nothing I could do because that's he's in charge. 
think I told the story about the young lieutenant who wouldn't listen, and we were doing live fires, trench clearing, and then the book says you get feet to feet, and you roll, you get up there, and you get feet to feet while you're getting shot at, and you cook off a grenade, you throw it in the trench, and you roll away together. So my squad went up and did it, and he goes, Sergeant, they didn't get feet to feet. And I took the book, and we were in, like, uh, Hunter Liggett or fucking Yakima, and I took that 7-8 Bible, and I threw it. I said, sir, it's a fucking guideline. Nobody's going to ding you if they do cheetah flips off that fucking trench. The point is to simultaneously cook off a grenade, blow a breach into that trench, and get away from it from it blows up. That's all they're talking about. Well, by the end of that day, or two days later, or whatever, I get hyperthermia because I did a recon. I went out to where we're going to put in this ambush. It was a company-wide ambush, three ambushes, three platoons, spread over five kilometers. I get hyperthermia. They pound a bunch of freaking blankets on me, get me some dry clothes because it's 34 degrees and raining in Fort Lewis, but we had to walk 30 kilometers, so we were just in uniform, drenched. And we start doing the leader's recon, and I say, sir, this ain't it. This is not our objective. And he won't listen. And I tell my good bud, dude, tell him he likes you. This ain't it. This is third platoons. We're the next ridge over. And you don't listen. And so we come back and we try again. Sir, that ain't our objective. You leader recon third platoon shit. He won't listen. Because he knows better. So we go out and we lay in our ambush. In walks in the battalion commander with 3rd platoon and our company commander. They go, what the fuck are you guys doing here? Now, the first sergeant who was doing the evaluation goes, you're a fucking piece of shit for letting this guy do this. And then we explain. He goes, okay, well, there's nothing you do then. He gets relieved on the spot, and that was it. That's all you can do. You can take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Problem with Millie... Not only is he doing this to better his future career as a DNC operative or a member of CNN, he believes QAnon's up in the barracks. There's a bunch of white supremacists lynching blacks every night. He believes it. His eye hasn't been on the ball lately. He went from the Obama administration, woke, 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 rules of engagement that make a New York cop go, man, I wish I could be that strong. Well, you had to basically get shot at, take casualties, and then you can return fire. That was all under Obama because he was very Islamist in his policy towards Islamic jihad. I mean, his chief of staff, I don't give a fuck what you say, she's still Iranian can't cancel me like Roseanne. I didn't call her a monkey. She didn't call her a monkey either, but she got shit canned. He became an operative. And he's watched his whole career, 20 of it that he was in uniform, 
Afghanistan be a political fucking football? And he let it happen. He knew it would fall. He knew Iraqi army, or excuse me, the Afghan army, wasn't going to be able to stop the Taliban. Since Restrepo, and for those who never watched it, we gave all that ground up in 2008, going out and stomping ass, doing the right things, putting fucking boot to throat and killing them motherfuckers, and then Obama backed the fuck off because of casualties. We handed it all back, and they laughed at us. And they knew from that point on, just bide your time. So 20 years later, I leave. There's some clusters. CIA's watching them. We go to Iraq, which we shouldn't have done with the troop strength, not the war. Always had a problem with it. Said it on the show. We didn't have the, the capability to fight two wars. We let Iraq fest, or Afghans fester. Iraq turns into shithole. We get it cleaned up. Obama wants to do his campaign, his freaking campaign promises, and hands it back to fucking jihad and you know ISIS. We give all them that equipment; and they use it against us. The powers that be don't want Trump to end the war because Trump's bad, which makes this even worse. Millie was part of that, so we stopped withdrawal under Trump, which would have been the politically small smart thing because you could have used it against them, lefties and the media and everything. You wouldn't be worrying about Biden's legacy right now because it'd be a Trump thing. Trump fucked it up. But you stopped it. So you could do it on a 20-year anniversary. That's what you wanted to do. So we've had all this time to prepare either to do contingencies, to have fucking air assets, to stop the Taliban, or let the people know the moment we unass this country, it's going back to jihad. They chose D. I don't understand why they chose D. So from the political aspect, that's who to blame. Mr. Milley, Mr. White Rage. Him and his general corps knew this shit, played fuck, fuck, goose, ignored the commands of the commander-in-chief under Trump, took the commands of the commander-in-chief under Biden way too seriously, so much so they forgot to run a war because they're having a war on their own people that doesn't exist. You can say they're mega pieces of shit and white supremacists and QAnon on Twitter. Wasn't a problem in the military, folks. Never has been a problem. That shit stopped in the 60s. Once again, everybody who led me was POC. I didn't have white first sergeants and sergeant majors. I didn't care, but I'm just saying, it's not a problem there. Meritocracy rules the military. You either do your fucking job or you don't. That's how you get promoted. And a quota to make sure, because it's the government. I mean, those are just the facts. But this very week, as this is all going to shit, 20 years of sacrifice, lost lives, family members, people like me are just going, my God, I lost so many friends, both in theater and by their own hands, and it's just 
two weeks is back to what we started with. I mean, I got to laugh. It's so sad. You just got to laugh. Like, what the fuck? Two weeks. It took them two weeks, and we're back to September 10th, 2001. The same people that ran it are running it. The Afghan government is literally seeking to share power, which means we're going to give up. This ran for September 11th this week. A new terror alert has been issued by Homeland Security tonight. Pete Williams is here. Pete, what do we know about this? Well, DHS says this new terrorism advisory is not based on any actual threats or plots, but it says there's a rise in anti-government rhetoric. Some of it is opposition to COVID public health, masking, claims of election fraud, or a belief that Donald Trump can be reinstated. And DHS says the coming 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and religious holidays later this year could be catalysts for violence. The last terror advisory was issued in May. It expired today. This new one says domestic extremism remains a threat priority, Lester. All right, Pete, thank you. U.S. Department of Homeland Security issues a new terrorism threat advisory ahead of the anniversary of September 11th terror attacks amid a resurgence of coronavirus pandemic. Must watch. Homeland Security hasn't based the new terror threat alert off actual threats or plots. Just anti-government rhetoric. That includes opposition to COVID. Protecting your school board's mask mandates equals a terrorist threat. Extremists may seek to exploit the emergence of COVID-19 variants by viewing the potential reestablishment of public health restrictions across the United States as a rationale to conduct attacks, the DHS advisory said, adding that pandemic-related stressors may contribute to more violence this year. Tim Young, parents who don't want their kids wearing masks at school are now labeled potential terror threats by the Department of Homeland Security. This can't possibly end well. Just to catch you up, according to Biden Homeland Security, Antifa isn't a terror threat, but parents openly opposing school mask orders are. So the government is naming as terrorists anyone who falls into any of the listed categories. This is some scary stuff. I wonder how far we are from being imprisoned for those beliefs. Oh, it's not far. This means to make you submit to the party line. Are we allowed to think and express our opinions? No. No, you're not. I, I don't know why you thought you should. This is happening. The sheer amount of shit is happening. Biden deploys thousands, gives a stern statement. They, they're still talking about January 6th, and I will show you, uh, what is this? Many, many punches thrown. Antifa crashes anti-mask rally in Los Angeles. So, scary is caring, Malcolm, so I'm going to give you, allow you to do this. On August 13th or 14th, just a few days from now, the QAnon believers, which is now a substantial portion of the Republican base, believe that Donald Trump will be reinstated as president through some magic that they only understand. When that doesn't happen, then what? 
Well, nothing is going to happen here in August. Uh, you know, there's a substantial portion of, you know, the gunslinging conservatives base uh, that, that, that really doesn't support QAnon. Even though, and I've said this a year ago on this program, QAnon would, would take over the Republican ideology. And it has, even though they don't allow Q shirts at Trump rallies and things like that, the belief in the inherent evilness of all Democrats and that there's a global cabal that must be destroyed by force of arms, that is now standard throughout the conservative base. So let me prognosticate a little bit more. The Republican Party, you know, I used to joke that they were vanilla ISIS, right? All of these, these militiamen and everything out there. They were like ISIS. They were like Al-Qaeda in the sense that they um, radicalized online. They would meet together in secret, and they did all of these activities, which were very much like a terrorist, you know, a terrorist insurgency. Now I think they have shifted. The Republican Party is more like Sinn Féin, uh, and the, the relationship between Sinn Féin, the Irish Nationalist Party, and the Irish Republican Army, Provisional Irish Republican Army Terrorist Group, and who called themselves freedom fighters and insurgents, and had Americans, American congressmen, sending them money to buy, you know, heavy machine guns. These guys view themselves as this fanciful group of patriotic freedom fighters, the second coming of the Sons of Liberty. And there are many of them who are preparing for civil war right now. All the shame that we tried to give them after January 6th, that's gone. There are many of them right now that are ready to fight, and we're seeing politicians in the state houses and the Capitol who are actually, you know, pushing them subliminally to fight. Yeah, I respect you. You don't respect my decisions. I respect your rights. I respect your freedom. And everybody has a freedom to choose. You have a freedom. I love you. I love you. I respect you.
Those people are okay. That's not a terroristic thing. That rhetoric isn't bad either. And then you got Liz Cheney. Washington Post, New York Times directly fucking reported that you stopped Trump from leaving Afghanistan. Now you're going to say this? And you're going to whataboutism both when your dad was part of this? This is how we are. This is our political kabuki theater. This this is what people get away with. She's a hero. She doesn't get to say shit. She doesn't get to say shit. She needs to shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. You don't get to say a goddamn thing. You are deep in this. This is all you. It's all you. You guys were all for this. The only time you spoke up about how things were fucked up was under Obama and Trump. The rest of the time, you thought everything was okey fucking dokey. But it's never been good. We've been fucking up in Afghanistan since after I left. Because that's when we took the boot off the neck. That's when we started making it fucking peacekeeping. That's when we started taking the row. That's when we started working with the Taliban. That's when we started just doing all sorts of fucking stupid ass shit that didn't improve the lives of Afghans or secure any chances that we would win this fucking war. Just didn't. So no, shut your fucking mouth. You played political football like everybody else. You don't have any high horse. You don't have any high ground. You're part of this problem. We could have been out of Afghanistan way quicker if douche nozzles like this wouldn't play politics with wars. If we're going to go to fucking war, we go to fucking war and we kill motherfuckers and we make them fear us so they don't come back and play ball again. But we've never done that in Afghanistan. Ever. We just... I don't even know what to call it. So yeah, for us vets, it's not cool. It's not Biden's fault. It's all these people's fault. What was our purpose for 20 years? Nobody can tell us. Knowing, as I did from the first year, that this would happen, it doesn't make it okay. The sacrifice of so many was for nothing. Because nothing changed. And the only response we can get on the media is that Andrea Mitchell, the poor women getting beheaded in the streets. Women, children. How about the thousands of dead soldiers? What about them and their families? So you two parties could have an incoherent war plan for 20 years and accomplish nothing. How about that? How about that, Andrea Mitchell? Let's fucking play COVID. These fucking people. The Kenny K's with us and has a question, Mr. Mayor. 
Mayor, we've seen around the country isolated incidents of medical professionals getting harassed by uh, parent communities uh, when they've tried to propose mask mandates for schools. Do you have a sense in San Antonio when you speak to parents of children in the community how they feel? Could you, could you give us a kind of broad sense of whether where parents sure. in your community stand? Are they in favor of mandating masks or do they have some ambivalence about it? I have been overwhelmed, um, and, and so have my colleagues, by messages, by calls, by visits from parents in tears uh, after we had uh, the court ruling granting our temporary restraining order, which then allowed us to put in the mask mandate um, in tears because they finally felt safe sending their children to school. I had um, someone tell me... Uh, it was sad and frustrating and um, it made me question how the messaging going out quite frankly from all of us from the our political leaders in Washington uh, for us here um, on, in news media and quite frankly especially from the you know propaganda media on the right which doesn't often operate uh, in, in facts in reality that was the most frustrating part for me I think that um, because of the attacks on our institutions in this country over the past five or six years or so, and the attacks on journalism, people don't know what to believe because they hear so much rhetoric out there. And I think it's incumbent upon us to make people more media literate, but it's also incumbent upon the other guys to speak the truth. And so those people just, they just don't know what to believe because- Matthew, how far along do you think Democrats are in getting to acceptance that the old toolbox will not work in the new fight against democracy? I hope they're further along than they were 10 months ago or six months ago or three months ago or 30 days ago. I hope they're further along. I think they have to finally come to the conclusion that holding another subcommittee on whatever they are they're doing in Washington is not what actually Americans want and not what we need right now. We are in a fragile, fragile point in our democracy, exceedingly fragile point in our democracy. It's dysfunctional at its best. It's dysfunctional at its best today. We're not getting done the big things we need to get done. Heck, climate change is facing us, bearing down us. We're doing nothing on climate change and everything related to that. And so I hope they're moving, but I still think there are too many Democrats think, oh, if we could just go back to the old way of doing things, everything will be fine. And what I fundamentally say is right now our politics is like a bad relationship where you don't trust the person and the person, the other person across the table of you doesn't share the same values and may even be an abuser. And you can't be in a relationship with that person that's healthy. And that's where we are today with the Democrats versus Republicans. I wish we had two major parties today that we could fundamentally believe in and shared some fundamental values. We don't. And until the Democrats admit that people across the aisle from them do not share the same fundamental values, do not believe in the same constitution that they do, they have to discard all of the old ways of doing things and go about this in a brand new way. But I believe fundamentally, until we deal with the bones of our democracy and the bones of our country politically, we are going to face this time and time and time again, because where the voters are and where the politicians are, are in two fundamentally different places. Okay, so we've got to, we've got to talk about something bigger than the filibuster then. We've got to talk about amending the Constitution, because the only way, there's no gerrymandering in the Senate. The, the deal in the Senate is states that have very low population have the same amount of representation as people with Agreed. big populations. 
So Agreed. if in fact you're talking about the bones of our democracy, let's make it clear the mountain we're about to climb is amending our constitution and we would have to remove what the founding fathers thought were best, which was two senators from every state. That will have to be done away with to get to the kind of things that you want to do, regardless of the filibuster. Well, I, I would just like the only thing, I mean, we can have that just totally open to having that discussion. When six United States senators have the same population as 60 United States senators. Think yeah, about that. No, six United it. States senators have the same population as 60 in this. I'm not saying let's bite off the Constitution at this time, but there are things that we have to fundamentally understand. And I hope the politicians in Washington understand the brokenness of our democracy so they quit jerking around and all the stuff. You know, uh, normally people also have a really strong feeling about staying alive, right, and keeping their kids alive. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, and I, I don't mean to say that to be facetious, I cannot understand the sort of vehemence and rage around being told, just do this thing to keep yourself safe, wear a mask, get vaccinated, at least wear a mask. As a, as a, you know, as, a, as, a, as somebody that said, you said on the medical side of the world, can you understand why someone would take such a hardcore, angry opposition to s staying safe and alive? What they're pushing back against is this know-nothing revolution that you're seeing in places like Texas and Alabama and Mississippi and Florida, where we're, we're seeing that disinformation has consequences, that political demagoguery has consequences, and, 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 it's, a, and it's a grim toll. This is what the Travis County judge said. Governor, with all due respect, the threat of being sued is nothing compared with the threat of kids getting sick and dying. I will not let that happen on my watch. I will ask you to join me in that stance. I mean, the reality is it, these governors are taking a stance in favor of death. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt on the issue with some strong words. Let's watch. If someone says that, that using fear is good, that is what every tyrant in the history of the world and every dictator in the history of the world has ever said, to accumulate, aggregate, and maintain power. People can make these um, very important decisions themselves, and I don't want to live in some futuristic, dystopian, biomedical security state, and I'm going to do everything I can as Attorney General to protect the rights of individuals in the state. David. The policies of the current Democratic Party are good at doing two things, creating criminal activity and hiring more federal bureaucracy. What's going to happen here? Now you have an entire new industry of people making fake COVID vaccination cards so that individuals who don't want to get a vaccine can go in and say they do have the COVID vaccine, which means what? Now you're going to have to have COVID card compliance officers coming in to make sure that cards are uh, actual real cards and not fake cards for these businesses. Businesses are going to have to have uh, agents uh, for the government uh, enforcing this. Uh, the only government they don't want to increase is police actually doing things to keep people safe. Laura, real quick. Well, I, I mean, I think that this is patently ridiculous. It's like saying that they're going to microchip everybody. These are reasonable things that will encourage people to get vaccinated, keep businesses how do you enforce open, the policy? Laura, safe. how do you enforce the policy then? How do you enforce I, the I, policy listen. if you're not going to have people making sure the cards are real? 
Well, honestly, I, I think let's let's cross that bridge when we get to it. Right now, we we'll need to, to encourage vaccinations, and we, we need have to, to do it well, now. Listen. You're making small businesses. You're making small businesses make people show a card to get in. You've got to enforce yeah, it now. This isn't right. wait Just until later. I mean, they've been doing it at, at concerts. If it's they've been illegal, doing it in what does it Again, why are you screaming, sir? Dems I mean, love it's, creating uh, look, criminal it's just, activity. You show a card. I mean, you just show your card, and then show it a card that a criminal th that if a criminal sells it to somebody, it's an illegal card. So how effective is that so, policy? So then, Laura? would you need like a clearinghouse, like so what far. they've done in, in New York with the Excelsior program? You need something above. So um, I'm going to play it in a second to remind you, but we did on the last podcast say that Republicans are making up, but far right extremists are making up shit about the border. Tucker Carlson be one of them. 40% of migrants released to Texas border city test positive for COVID-19. The numbers of people coming across are insane, and that picture didn't work, so I apologize. Um, 400,000 in 2020. The highest we've ever had was 2006, and we're, we're clearly way over it. Way over it. The estimate is over one million already. It, it it's fucking August. DHS Marcus has asked about recent videos showing a large group of illegal immigrants continuing to cross the U.S. despite saying the border's closed. The border's closed. We're expelling single adults of families under the t- the Title Forty Two authority. Yet there's pictures all over the place. 212,672 migrants are encountered at our southern border during the month of July, an increase over June of 188, a 20-year high record. Only 95,000 of these encounters resulted in a Title 22 expulsion. So they're lying. They're just lying. They're lying. Lying. We had Biden shirts. But you heard the soundbite. It's unattainable. You, you can't keep doing this. Cheryl Atkinson's reporting. COVID is spreading like wildfire. But this twat. Now, there is a crisis on the border. The last time the Border Patrol saw this number of migrants trying to cross in a month was two decades ago. This morning, the Ed Board for the Washington Post is demanding a, co- a coherent strategy. So, yes, President Biden has a real problem on his hands here. And his critics are capitalizing on it. Listen to former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, who is echoing the tone of far-right extremists when it comes to immigration reform. They don't come all the way across Mexico for the purpose of visiting for two days. They want to be in America. And I think what's hard for most of us to accept is that the anti-American left would love to drown traditional classic Americans with as many people as they can who know nothing of American history, nothing of American tradition, nothing of the rule of law. Uh, and I think that, that when you go and you look at the radical left, uh, this is their, their ideal model is to get rid of the rest of us because we believe in George Washington or we believe in the Constitution. That is awfully close to what's known as the great replacement theory, the theory that white people are being replaced by non-white people, especially immigrants. In recent years, it has worked into a conspiracy theory that falsely alleges Jewish people are orchestrating the entire thing. It's ridiculous. Remember this moment from 2017 in Charlottesville. Jews will not replace us! Jews will not! 
That is the same theory we're talking about here. Also believed by a man who allegedly killed 11 at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh in 2018. And another man who allegedly killed 23 at a Walmart in El Paso in 2019. And now similar words from a former Speaker of the House. Former key Trump administration officials have also been openly slamming legal immigration. Take Stephen Miller, still a senior advisor to the ex-president. The cliche is illegal immigration equals bad, legal immigration equals good. But you've all heard that cliche before. The problem with that cliche is that just because something is legal doesn't always mean it's good, right? After five decades of record immigration, what we need is a timeout so that we can take stock of everybody who's here and those who are here lawfully. And here's Steve Cortez, who advised Trump's 2020 campaign, suggesting a new form of a contract with America to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. One of the things I would propose putting in there is a, a moratorium, a halt temporarily on even legal immigration. We need to halt the legal immigration until we can get something controlled at the southern border. Again, legal immigration. It is a process that is tough. So tough that green cards can take an average of over five years to get for immigrants sponsored by American employers or citizen family members. And that was in 2018 before COVID. It doesn't end there. Here's how Fox's chief propagandist compared what he described as mass violence committed by undocumented immigrants in the United States to Hungary's strategy. The Biden administration did this on purpose, and they're still doing it. And that is exactly why Democrats become hysterical when you mention the obvious successes that are on display here in Hungary on the immigration question. They don't want you to know that there is an option to the chaos and filth and crime growing all around us. Now, Hungary is run by a leader, Viktor Orban, who's put razor wire along the border to stop refugees from even trying to seek asylum. At one point, he'd kept over 100 refugees detained in border zones for over a year. It's been ruled illegal by the EU's top court, and that is the backdrop for that praise. And of course, there is more. Some conservative lawmakers and pundits, some of the same ones arguing against masking in schools to protect unvaccinated children, are saying COVID-19 is a problem, but only at the border. In Texas, new coronavirus cases are on a steep climb. The seven-day average hit nearly 12,000 new cases yesterday, but they say it's not the state residents' low uptake of vaccine that's to blame. If you ask Senator Ted Cruz. Well, the whole world decided to go ahead and say, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? This is another one. Unvaccinated Americans, disproportionately Republican Fox viewers, are feeling the surge. None of this is true. 30% of African American are vaccinated in New York City. And the myth is shit now. It's out there. The whole world is sending her tweets basically saying, You want to stay with that? We going to stick with that shit? Is, is that what we're going with still? Because once again, facts don't matter. Facts aren't first on CNN. That's Martha's Vineyard. That's all from the Obama. They are admitting it came from the Obama clusterfuck last week.
Biden admin is discussing mandating COVID vaccines for interstate travel. And where does this come from? It comes from the far left saying that, hey, we shouldn't let people travel for border uh, to Florida. We should stop them from going to Florida. Yet the kids are alive, proven this week. They just made it up. There's another one we're going to have from Texas. It's a lie. They're just making the, the, the CDC doubled Florida's numbers. And this is all repetitive. It's like these people think we're morons. I understand Google's part of your operation and they suppress data. But it wasn't that long ago that we remember a Rebecca Jones chick making shit up and she got caught. Now she's getting charged with it. We're not stupid. I know you think we are. This was literally a Biden thing. I guess he, he got with a guy to, uh, I don't know what that's that's about. I, I just don't even want to know. That's that's our president, you know. And I want you to think, right now with everything that's going on, he's on vacation. I don't give a fuck that he's on vacation. My point is, but Trump, what, what, did you do that? Then the American Academy of Pediatrics, with no Relative study. There's no study. There's no surveys. There's no nothing. They. It shows you what COVID's all about to begin with. School is starting a mask can be especially important for children under the age 12 who are not yet eligible for the COVID vaccine. Here's some real talk about masks. Babies and young children study faces. So you may worry about having mask caregivers and should harm children language development. This is not true. This article says they are unaware of any studies on it, not that it provides studies against the theses. Also, it specifically lists tips to boost children's language learning since they won't be able to study faces. What happened? A reply. If you don't study something, you can say there are no studies. Phil Kirpin, did you attach the wrong link to this outlandish, unsupportable claim? There are zero research citations or reference linked to the document. This is why science is back is just bullshit. It's all bullshit. Science isn't back. Politics are back. Everything is politics. I mean, to tie it into our previous segment... Trump's responsible for Afghanistan being fucked up. Really? He was third in line hand of that Batana cluster. But yeah, it's Trump's fault. Got to protect Biden's legacy. And then we see this. This is one of the big ones in Texas. As earlier version of the story overstated the number of children who have been hospitalized in Texas recently with COVID-19. The story said over 5,800 children had been hospitalized during a seven-day period in August, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That number correctly referred to children hospitalized with COVID-19 since the beginning of the pandemic. It's actually 783 kids. But since we're still doing the Trump two-step, It's a correction. It's not a new article. They got what they wanted out of it. They scared the fucking shit out of people. They got their political points. Because once again, remember, January 6th, COVID. January 6th, COVID. They're just going to keep swinging back and forth as they try to build back better and scare people. While this this fucking lady, uh, I'm not going to go into the, look at this. 
She's struggling to communicate with Americans about COVID-19. I'm not even going to go into the article. If you start a briefing going, I want to pause for the impending doom of variants, America's no longer listening to you. You're supposed to be a scientist. Scientists don't talk like that. Kessler, this mother fucking piece of fucking filth. So it appears at least one of the studies the CDC used to justify their guidance was rejected by a peer review and was based on a vaccine not even used in the United States. Glenn Kessler, new fact check, the GOP attack on the CDC mass reversal and a study from India. The GOP attack. But Ravinia Gupta, the director of team at Cambridge Institute of Therapeutic Immunology and Infection Disease and conducted the study, confirmed the fact checker that the article had been initially rejected during peer review because the reviewer was not happy with a certain aspect. The paper is now on its fourth version. Research Square only shows the first version. And Gupta said that high viral loads cited by the CDC essentially disappeared in the current version as more information was obtained from a third hospital. He said that revised paper is still under review. That's that's an attack. Of note in the fact check, the study of India health workers was indeed rejected at one point during purview and is being revised without the findings of high viral loads cited by the CDC. Of note in the fact, okay, yeah, yeah. The fact check isn't about CDC basing policy on flawed studies about the GOP attack. Partisan hacks get a partisan hack. That's your fact checking under Biden. This is a doctor. I just, I got to show this stuff. This is a doctor. Fuck you. Fuck your freedom. Fuck your racism. Fuck your fascism. Fuck your constitution. Fuck your Trump. Fuck your DeSantis. Fuck your anti-vax. Yes, Mussolini was a better leader than DeSantis, and he never deliberately killed people like DeSantis is doing. Mussolini never deliberately killed people. He stabbed someone when he was 10 years old. Here's a wiki. By the way, American progressives of the 20s and 30s also idolize the support of Mussolini. Stunning. Benito Mussolini. Stunning. John Harwood. Nobody likes masks. Nobody likes needles in their arms. Nobody likes COVID. Just stop screaming. Calm down. Be a grown-up and do what required to put the pandemic behind us. The pandemic will never be behind us. It'll never be behind it. Because here's just a few things for Fauci. The U.S. leading infectious disease expert says he doesn't foresee a COVID vaccine mandate. If someone infuses a vaccine in general, the public, they're going to nothing we can do about it. I'm going to upset some people on this, but I think we should have a vaccine mandate. Dr. Anthony, who don't need boosters. I think we do need a booster. Wear your mask. Don't wear your mask. It's so bad, an outdoor ceremony for a graduation you don't have a vaccine, you can't get on the base. I, I, I once again, I went to a hospital the other day to get my scan, and they didn't have the uh, the nuclear isotopes to do the stomach scan, so I got to do it again tomorrow. To show you once again, this is all about politics. I was temperature checked three times because I was wearing a camouflage hat, a tactical shirt, and a pair of cami shorts. 
When I showed my shot record, they stopped checking me. That's why I care. They were basing it off I was a denier because I look mega, I guess, or a white supremacist or whatever. New York Times denies biology. Pregnant women were not included in the clinical trials of vaccine, and uptake of shots has been low among pregnant women. The majority of pregnant women seem reluctant to be inoculated. Only 23% of pregnant women have received one or more doses of vaccine as a May as a result study. Yet, the prevalence of the virus among migrants thus far has been no greater than among the U.S. population overall, according to medical experts, and the highest positivity rates of the country are not in communities along the border. Rather, they're in areas of low vaccine rates and no mask mandates, and that's totally a lie. It's a lie. Because, once again, we don't go on facts. We go on what's been reported, and we're not reporting that 40% of migrants have COVID. It's the Nancy Pelosi two-step that's how we run things if it's not you know if it's not reported then it it can't be real it's like the old adage if it's on the internet it's real well now it's the opposite we don't have it on the internet because those facts don't fucking jive with what we want to be doing right now which is once again get everybody scared get them locked the fuck down so we could keep building back better there's no reason to do a 3.5 million dollar another goddamn infrastructure whatever the fuck they're calling it now to build back equity better bullshit if america's fine so in one week, you'll get a briefing that the economy is fucking awesome. The next briefing will be, oh, no, 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 no. We need to build back the better because everything's fucked up. They're still handing checks to people for COVID, even though there's no need to be handing checks to COVID. There's just no need. None of it needs to be happening. So before we go to woke... We'll play this. It's Jim Pisaki talking about Ducey. And, and then once again, this was attacking, this was against the Constitution. This was so bad under the last administration, but it's okay now. Your fans have some questions about Peter Ducey, but I'm going to try and get a, a, a good positive <laughs> one in great here. socks. I've yes. commented on them before I came I, myself. That's true. That was good content for me. Um, so uh, Ducey uh, praised you and the president for being willing to take tough questions, said you run a very low pressure, blood pressure briefing room, and praised your press shop for being responsive. Uh, what would you like to say to Peter Ducey? <laughs> um, you know, I, I would say that um, people don't see this every day, but um, we fully recognize Peter Ducey is, um, and many reporters, right? They're doing their job and working on behalf of the media organizations they represent and asking um, sometimes their questions that are tough and other reporters in the room are going to ask or might also ask. Sometimes they have a slant to them, but my engagement with him, um, people don't always see this, but outside the briefing room is, is entirely professional and entirely hopefully responsive. And I he treats me, I, we treat each other in the way that professionals should treat each other um, outside of the briefing room. Now in the briefing room, Peter Ducey, but I would say most people who have been TV anchors in that briefing room would probably agree with this. There's a performative component uh, from, from the TV side 
of the briefing room, right? Because they are asking questions. Many of them are tough. That's their job. They don't come in there and ask me what I had for breakfast. Otherwise, who cares? No one cares, right? And they don't ask me boring questions that have easy answers. Um, you know, uh, I'm very clear-eyed about um, the view of Fox News, of me, of the president, of many people who work here, right? Peter Ducey is a correspondent for Fox News, but I have also found my engagements with him to be entirely professional and um, and you know he's somebody who engages uh, with our staff, uh, obviously in the briefing room, but also beyond the briefing room as well. Does he get one-on-ones? Does he ever, do you give him one-on-ones? Do I see him one-on-one -on -one and yeah. talk to him? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and then uh, not uh, singling out Can any- Can I say one more thing about this? Because I think yes, this is yes. really interesting, just broadly. It, you know, our, I have many detractors and that's fine as does the president in a different way, he's the president, as do people who work here. But our job is not only to talk to who, who like our policies, right? Or like what we're doing or, uh, and only to engage with people who, you know, that's not, we're not, if we're, we are missing audiences if that is what we do. At the same time, we have to balance it. And I tried to balance it in the briefing room. We're not going to allow propaganda to go unnoticed, right? right? And I'm not going to let misinformation brew and boil in there. So it's both, right? Um, I can be and will always be, and I and I am treated the same way in in response, respectful of questions that whether it's Peter Ducey or someone else have in the briefing room, or I try my best to be. I'm not perfect, um, but I also am not going to be silent if there is misinformation that is being shared because. That briefing room is really for the American people so they can get information and know what's happening. I, I could be wrong about this. I think Ducey might have been one of the people who, who said, you know, do you find it acceptable or whatever? Um, but not just Ducey, but any reporter, do you ever, when, when a reporter frames something in, in bad faith or says something like what I just said, do you ever find it hard not to take it personally? Do you ever take it personally? You know, I think part of the benefit of having, um, you can't take it personally. If I just went down the trolls of Twitter um, or, I, or I took personally the way people ask questions, I'd be in the fetal position underneath my desk, right? I don't, um, I have the benefit of having what worked at the State Department and served in a different but similar job. And in that job, I had, you know, people from like Russian TV in the briefing room asking me demeaning, demoralizing, sometimes sexist questions about myself personally. Once you've done that, there's really not something that I'm going to take personally, right? And that was a whole journey for me on its own. Um, and it's not personal. And this is the thing to remember with reporters. They're doing their jobs, right? And their jobs are to push you, to ask you tough questions, to push for more. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my job. And sometimes that means pushing back on them and cutting off propaganda. Sometimes it means um, recognizing they have a really good question I may or may not have a good answer to and following up with them afterwards. But you have to kind of leave that on the playing field and realize you're all human beings uh, once you come off. Uh, out of curiosity, uh, that uh, abortion guy, Owen, what's his face from EWTN, does he get one-on-ones uh, -on too or...? or 
Or does he have um, to take a shot I, at the briefing? If he stopped by and wanted to talk to me and I could, sure. I mean, you know, I, I have, I, I try to engage with a range of people. I'm not, I'm also not perfect and I'm in a ton of meetings. And so, right. you know, but I, but I do try to engage with a diverse array of people who want to have a conversation about maybe it's a more complex issue or something that requires more nuance than what you can do yeah. in a briefing room. Yeah. Turn it up. Turn it on. Disgraced board members, if you think you're woke, well, let me wait to a little bit more. I'm a Chaldean married to an Armenian. We are minorities of the minorities in this country. Our ancestors and people survived massacres of the Turks and the ISIS. I grew up in Iran as a Christian. And when we went to school, as much as the government wanted to indoctrinate us, the teachers didn't allow it. The teachers did their job, teach us the curriculum, science, math, biology, etc. They didn't try to shove propaganda down our throats like the Ayatollahs did. Now in the 21st century, we have social, social justice warrior, so-called teachers are trying to shove their garbage ideology down our kids' throat. These are our children, not yours. Their job is not to raise my child or my neighbor's child. Their job is to teach our kids math, science, biology, literature, and that's it. Not theology. Push garbage crap like pronouns? How the hell does that keep a kid from succeeding? How does that help them? Does that teach them how to add? You want to push that garbage down my kid's throat? I will make you call my kids king and queen. That's how I will address my sons and my daughter. And you, you look at me, you call me master. You want that pro- Why did you delete it? You said you'd help us if we got- I didn't think you'd get proof, get proof. I thought you'd just, you know, get proof. There's proof and there's proof. You got the wrong kind of proof. I don't know how much clearer I can be. So you were never going to help us? I am helping you. I can still get the charges against your client dropped now that I saw that footage. I'll get my officers to revise their statements. And they'll be punished? No, there's no way I can suspend them. Suspend? I thought you would fire them. <gasps> oh, you're being serious now. Huh? I guess jokes are nothing. Well, if I fired them, it would trigger the union's appeal process. PBA's grievance proceedings allow for both unions and individual officers to challenge personnel actions by superiors. The complaint gets sent up the chain of command until they get someone who sides with the officers. And the courts are a nightmare. Prosecutors work closely with cops. They're not going to jeopardize their relationship by pursuing cases against them. All the officer has to say is he feared for his life and he gets thrown out. Look, we know all of this, but that doesn't mean you just give up. Okay, so say I don't give up and I get the commissioner to agree to fire the officers. Do you know what happens next? They'd file a countersuit. Yes, and the officers get paid to stay in. Not home. to mention qualified immunity. And now the officers are back on the street, and I am blackballed. And then one of the only female captains in the NYPD is forced to quit, and you 
thought I'm one of the good ones. And I know how that sounds, but I'm not one of the bad ones who say they're one of the good ones. I'm one of the good ones who say they're one of the good ones. Yeah, I hear it, Rosa. You can stop. Oh, what? Looks like they just hit the Brookstone in West Hollywood. How long do you think it's going to take for us to get there? You know, I'm a sucker for modern gadgetry. Jazz. Hey. 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 Um, I owe you guys a really, really big apology. Well, if you're talking about reparations, you can just cash at me. <laughs> um, you guys, you guys were right. I was definitely raised to see the world in a very specific way, and I'll never see the world like you guys do. No matter how liberal my environment or how expanded my worldview is, I'll always have some sort of blinders on. And I'm really, really sorry. Well, we appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And it's all good. You know we love you. But most importantly, thank you for hearing us. Yeah. yeah. I love you guys. Oh, come here. <laughs> As the country finally saw its blind spot, we were also forced to take notice of our own. The only thing we could do was move forward with our eyes open in an effort to be better people to those around us and hope that the rest of Joining me now to discuss Ron Brownstein, CNN political analyst and a senior editor at The Atlantic. Um, so there's, good morning, there's that admission um, from Senator Paul. We also have him be just being suspended on YouTube for, you know, for pushing misinformation, um, telling people not to follow the CDC's guidance. Um, what do you make of all of this Rand Paul drama? Well, that, that, that's really what makes this so striking. I mean, look, there have been no shortage of accusations of hypocrisy on both sides in responding to the pandemic. As Mono noted, there have been accusations against I, both David Perdue and Kelly Leffler, the former Republican senator uh, from Georgia, about, about their uh, stock uh, trading uh, during the early stages. And uh, there, look, there have been regular charges against Democrats uh, that they are flouting the mask guidance that they, that they offer to others. I think what makes this uh, especially egregious is that Paul has been such a relentless kind of opponent of any taking this seriously in public, uh, in, in terms of public health measures, masking, vaccination requirements, uh, just the, the overall severity of it. And whether this was inadvertently left off his form or not, uh, this kind of investment, when contrasted against the backdrop of his kind of language about this and the kind of language that got him suspended from YouTube, uh, I think is. So that's our new stuff, bad cops, all that stuff. The Brooklyn Nine-Nine's about cops. I mean, what the fucking fuck, her and Peter Ducey. You know, once again, that kind of stuff's wrong, man. You can't do that. That's against the Constitution. Your rules. Your fucking rules. And then CNN reveling. And Rand Paul getting banned off YouTube for saying the same thing a CDC doctor did. And he's a doctor. But we find they're escalating pressure. They want these giants to literally shut you up. Now there's 20 organizations that want you booted for misgendering. Even if you do it on purpose or on purpose, on accident, you need to go the fuck away. Uh, Associate Tech, Athlete Alley, Center for Countering Digital Hate, Center Leak, LGBT Center, Equity Federation, Free Press, Friends of Earth, GLAD, Gender, it, it's a nightmare of fucking uh, letters. It's the same people. It's the same people. 
But once again, here is CNN excited that a congressperson is banned. It's so bad, they censored Grambian and demonetized their account. And all Grambian does is grab media. I play it on here. They don't even have a, they don't have politics. I see, see both sides when I see their fucking tweets. Something that'll get the left excited, something that'll get the right. Oh, fuck, man. What is wrong with these pictures? I'm having all sorts of picture problems. Climate's alarmist dubbed Doomsday Scenario, Trump World, no mention of China or India. Because once again, science isn't about science. It's not about facts. A whole new world, man. Science. When you can say that you driving extra in the South to go get your groceries are killing grandma. Oh, I forgot I was on big screen now. Let's put Vicks on. Sorry, folks. Um, but, you know, the, the fucking mob out there burning down Portland for social justice. Yeah, they're exempt from COVID. Just skips that whole event. Hmm. Terry Schillert, our last resort on government school is here. Last night, the Loudoun County School Board told concerned parents to go pound sand. The childless leftists are in charge. You don't get it to say a say. We can do whatever we want to our kids. So what are your options? How do we stop this transparent effort? When politicians fear the people, that is liberty. Another option is to remove your kids. Folks, it's time to blah, 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 because they left them out in the fucking rain. Wouldn't even let them in the room. Here's Sean Davis. Nothing to see here, just an official AP government practice exam forcing students to falsely say voter ID is racist. We don't have a problem. I played the Iranian up front. I don't think he's a white supremacist. I'm going to keep covering this stuff because, once again, the party line, CNN, Biden, Google, the whole cabal that fortifies election, which is another word for steals elections, to make sure you never get anything negative on a candidate and to fucking push voting for one candidate. That's stealing, folks. You would say the same thing if Trump had monopolized every fucking entity to force you to vote for one person and then change 80 voting rules and all the other shit. We would be saying it. That's my stand. I'll never get away from it. They're saying it's all white supremacy. But every time I show you, it's never a white person. New York Times. While all this is going on, widen the lens that any white woman, every white woman could be a Karen if she's perceived to taking for granted the advantages bestowed by her skin color ignoring the labor and suffering. It's a white person's fantasy that racism is just a matter of a few semi-hysterical, possibly mentally unstable characters ranting on the fringes, dismissed with a flick of the screen. Only Karen was never an anomaly. Whole article, because we're getting ready for 2022. This was in the New York Times. How identity politics took over the Republican Party. Are you fucking serious? That's a real article. Snopes. And this is this... Once again, every one of these fact checkers, if you follow the money, they're linked to the left. 
is retracting over 50 stories and suspending the editorial duties of one of its founders after his absolute blockbuster shooting the mess investigation. David Milkelson, the co-founder of fact-checking website Snopes, has long presented himself as the arbiter of truth online, a bulwark in fight against rumors and fake news, but he has been lying to the site's tens of millions of readers. A BuzzFeed News investigation has found that between 2015 and 19, Milkelson wrote and published dozens of articles containing material plagiarized from news outlets such as Guardian and La Times. After inquiries of BuzzFeed News, Snopes conducted an internal review and confirmed that under pseudonym, the Snopes byline in his own name, Mickelson wrote and published 54 pieces. The articles include such topics as same-sex marriage licenses and the death of musician David Bowie. That's what he's getting fired for. Not for not being actually unbiased. Glenn Greenwald is doing what I had to do. Move the fucking rumble. I'm on rumble searchable now. Nobody said a word to me that I played Fox News. Just want to say. The 10 insane stories of the week. We used to do these all the time. University of Wisconsin-Madison professor vows to fight the patriarchy by refusing to wear a bra. This is the 60s. University of Michigan mandates face masks following vaccine requirement. Once again, I Once again, I... God, you people are doing more to make people not get vaccines than any white supremacist fringe QAnon, because now they're the anti-vaxxers somehow, even though left's been anti-vax forever, but, you know, what else? Lawsuit alleges Kentucky med student expelled for anti-abortion views. Third grade lesson on Virginia State Education website appears to glorify communism. Colorado School District instructs teachers to avoid informing parents that their child shows persistent gender confusion. University of Wisconsin moves Chamberlain Rock. We covered it. School board member, massless kids will commit murder. Kate Brown signs a law in Oregon. Atlanta Public School told Catholic couple to remove child from district if they want to avoid LGBTQ plus issue in kindergarten. Black parent outraged after learning Atlanta Elementary School segregated by race. Lori Lightfoot is rewriting history and saying that they were hijacking. How do you get away with this? How? You played COVID for a ceremony and now you're blaming the cops again. Remember, cops aren't our enemy. Yeah. So let's go to our This is America. It's good shit. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. As the debate over masks in schools rages, most parents just want to make sure their kids are as protected as possible from COVID-19 when they return to the classroom. Right now, 45 states are seeing an increase in new cases over the past week, and one doctor has said that reopening schools without mask mandates is a, quote, formula for disaster. President Biden now looking into whether he can stop states from blocking mask requirements at schools. The governors of Florida and Texas remain defiant, prohibiting those requirements. But get this, both those states now have more minors hospitalized than at 
any other time during the pandemic. Joining me now to discuss, Michael Osterholm, who's director at the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. Good to have you with us this morning. Thank you. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, Mike, you can help us clear something up. So last week on CNN, you said, and I'm quoting you here, many of the face cloth coverings people wear are not effective, and you encouraged N95 masks as the best option. As you've likely heard by now, Senator Rand Paul was just uh, suspended from YouTube for saying that cloth masks don't work. The CDC still recommends a two-ply breathable cloth mask worn well as an effective option to stop the spread. So I think you can understand how confusing this is for people. So what's the real story on masks? What works, what doesn't, especially for kids in schools? Well, in fact, it is confusing for the public, and I understand why, because in this business today, you cannot nuance anything. It's either left or right, or it's either blue or red. It's either yes or no. And in fact, science isn't that way. A year ago last April, we put out a statement from our center, as well as uh, others being involved with it, that basically pointed out that this virus is an aerosol. It's transmitted in the air, just like we see with cigarette smoke. If you're in a room and you have a covering on your face and you can smell the smoke, then you know you're also getting virus in there if, in fact, you had an infected person in there. We know that face cloth coverings can reduce the amount of virus that you may inhale, but to be fully protected in the way that we believe, particularly with this variant that we have today, Delta, you need to have the kind of protection that comes with an N95 or a KN95 for kids, which are available in, in children's sizes. And just it, putting something over your face in and of itself doesn't protect you. Now that doesn't give anybody license to take my statement and say masking doesn't work. It's what you have to do is use effective masking. And we have done a poor job of communicating that. And I think CDC is, is in part responsible for that. They, for many months, did not come to the point of realizing that aerosols were a very important part of the transmission. And as such, their messaging has portrayed that. And we need to let people know that's not the case. So you're saying best option, an N95, a KN95. For some kids, as you likely know, maybe that can be tough. Maybe it's tough to wear all day. CDC, as we just checked out this morning, still recommending a two-ply cloth breathable face mask worn properly as an option. A lot of people, myself included, use the disposable ones, uh, you know, that we order online. افغانستان سالهای گذشته نیست امروز خانم ها میتونن در جایی که زندگی میکنن کار میکنن به رویاهای خود برسن و بزرگترین رویا برای خانم ها به خاطر پیشرفت اینه که بتونن دانش خود بیشتر بسازن With respect to Afghanistan our primary military objective at this point is a change of mission to conduct a safe responsible coordinated and deliberate retrograde of US forces from Afghanistan in good order. We will do this in a synchronized fashion, shoulder to shoulder with our allies and NATO partners, and we've been steadily reducing our presence for almost a decade, and we are now in the final phase of that strategic retrograde. As you know, we've been transferring steadily functions and responsibilities to the Afghan security forces for a considerable amount of time. The President of the United States has given us a window to be complete no later than September. I don't want to here put precise dates in public on our exact milestones because there are many variables that will factor in to the ultimate outcome. I'm confident, however, that our ability to meet 
the objective in the time frame that the president has directed. بنابردن نیروهای افغانی به خاک جمهوری اسلامی ایران زنده باد ایران و ایرانی آقای اشرف غنی ما اجنبی هستیم یا شما اینگونه مردان آغوشمان را به نیروهای نظامی شما باز کردیم ما ایرانیان انباره آمی away now Ty Gibbs is just trying to hang on to that number two spot Mike Snyder on the curve and they're banging the corner panels Sam Mayer's around out of six he'll spin to the inside hard into the tire barrier that's not being damaged on the right front of the Sam Mayer car who got crossed up coming out of turn number six so it was a lot better I think from where I was this morning so uh, happy about that not quite exactly where I want to be but but better uh, for sure and um You know, I feel like I learned learned a good bit, so worth the time for sure. It seemed like the Cup guys and were good with where the uh, the turtles were during practice. The lot guys hit them today in this race. Yeah. Is, it, is do they need to be moved again, or or is I mean, you know where they are, and it's just up to drivers to miss them. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not my decision, number one. But um, yeah, I mean, if they're if they're sitting there and you're Uh, the outside car going through the S's, you're going to hit it. That's just the way it, it, it's going to work. I mean, we saw it a bunch today. Um, you know, through the S's, the mid portion of the track after the back straightaway, you know, that part kind of naturally thins itself out. But, you know, the S's, or that little kink section, I guess, coming on the back straightaway is the most treacherous spot with the turtles and, and hurting a race car. But look, they're sitting there and, you know, everybody's got a decision to make before you get there or, or somebody's somebody's going to have a rough ride. I mean, the cup cars are sitting lower than these cars too, oh, right? It's, it will absolutely destroy them. There's no doubt. Yeah. You and Sam Meyer kind of got into, into each other twice during the race. What, what happened from your perspective on those? Um, man, I don't know. I, uh, I, I didn't see him there getting into seven and Um, I haven't seen the video, so I, I have no idea. But um, the guy spotting over there told me that he kind of jumped out of line late. And at that point, I was already committed to the corner, if that's the case. And then, um, you know, going through the kink was an instance like we were just talking about. I mean, you know, we're, we're side by side coming out of uh, four. And, I mean, what do you do, right? I mean, one of us is going to either give up the spot um, let the other one go and obviously nobody wants to do that so uh, the person on the outside is closest to that turtle and that's where you're headed and that's just I don't know what you do about that it almost looks like when you hit the curve that you got a little bit loose and yeah I was trying bit. to hit the curb on the right because I didn't think it was going to kill the car um, because I knew what was going to happen if, if he hit the other one so I tried to shade right and it ended up just throwing me over left worse so It's a tricky spot of the track. Obviously, they hate to tear up a car, um, you know, especially a teammate, you know, like that. So, I uh, hate that, and you know, obviously, not my not my intent of, of, of wrecking him or hurting one of their cars. So let's unpack that. We'll get to this. The CNN is pretty simple. They brought on a the guy who said the same thing Paul did. Paul gets booted off YouTube. CNN brings him back to clean up his mess. 
Then we had the Academy of Breastfeeding Feeding Medicine saying we got a chest feed. You got to call it chest feeding. I mean, once again, the, you're the Breastfeeding Academy. But, okay. Then we have our Afghanistan stuff. So in there you saw women and kids. Now, I want you to remember things did improve, all right? During this time, for women, women in Herat, now under Taliban control, are telling me when they tried to enter the grounds of the university today, they were told to go away. Women working in offices also turned away. School had been shut down. 60% of university students in Herat were women. The real-life handmade tale, a true cautionary tale for the U.S., which has our own far religious right, dreaming of theocracy that would put a particular brand of Christianity, drive women from the workforce and solely into childbirth and control all politics. I've said it a lot. These aren't serious people. These are not serious people. To be clear, you're comparing the Taliban with America. Americans you disagree with politically. You need to get a grip. If we were a serious society, you'd be laughed off the public stage. How do you explain the Republican electing so many women to Congress? Like 10% of Joy's tweet is about Afghanistan. The rest is about some bullshit she just made up. This is a, a perfect touchstone to make sure you understand there is no racism in America. That lady will keep her show for that sawed-off bullshit while real people are getting their asses kicked in the streets. She's talking about the handmade tale. Then we have this Republican claim to fear a left-wing authoritarianism, but there is no such thing. In fact, lying is the only way the right can win elections after it's all its policies are profoundly unpopular. How in the world would 1% of the population ever win an election? During and after Cold War, the right undertook a relentless campaign that rages on this day of falsely smearing Democrats and left of causing authoritarianism like the horrendous dictatorships of Stalin and Adolf Hitler. In fact, the right so maligned the concept of socialism and the profoundly influential thinkers Karl Marx that socialism remains a poisonous word. Glad to see Twitter has stopped policing misinformation because this was a good laugh. Everything bad is right-wing and everything good is left-wing. Yeah, nothing authoritarian at all about forcing vaccines, lockdowns, vaccine IDs, or camps for the unvaccinated. A hundred million people died in the 20th century under communists, but yeah. Karl Marx is a good guy. General Milley still has a job. That's our This Is America. In a nutshell, he still has a job. He shouldn't have a job, but he has a job. He should be relieved for cause. He was talking about white rage while Islamic rage was taking over a country. That video is stuff going to Iran. Didn't make it up. It's right there. And last but not least, this came out this week. Um, Let's be honest. If you didn't think this was happening, 
You're smoking crack in the article. The madness of the big tech and other attempts to mold our reality into a version of compatible with the globalist view of the world has never been portrayed better than this chilling account by George's Google whistleblower, Zach Vorthes. As a senior engineer at Google for many years, Zach was aware of their bias, but watched in horror in 26th election of Donald Trump seemed to drive them into dangerous history. Our territory, the American ideal of honest, hard-fought battle of ideas when the control contest is over, shaking hands and working together to solve problems, replaced by a different, darker ethic alien to this country's history. Epoch TV interviewed Voorhees about Google's method and Zan game. Voorhees said his research turned conspiracy theories into conspiracy facts. He also said Google algorithm tackled new negative stories about Trump onto old ones in order to keep them at the top of the search results. They allowed the mainstream media to structure their stories so they could remain in the top. For Voorhees, Google control system reminded him of novels from Orwell, Bradbury, and Huxley. It was clear that Google was attempting nothing less than a seamless rewriting of the operating code of reality in which many would not be allowed to participate. It's why podcasters like me had to do 900 searches to get something negative on Biden. And if you followed the show, I kept telling you, search this. Just, just search little things. It hasn't changed. It won't change. They will never change. 2016 taught them they always knew they could push the electorate. They pushed the electorate, and they pushed it big. And they're going to keep pushing it. They're going to fortify every election. If you think it all ended with Trump, you're smoking crack. Look at DeSantis. They're talking about DeSantis as bad as they talked about Trump. He's not in charge of shit. And then the last thing was Chase Elliott. Now, you know, once again, a lot of you ain't, aren't not NASCARs. I understand. But I watched that race yesterday, and, and I got to admit, um, that was pretty fucked up. Um, he got tapped by his teammate, a rookie in Xfinity. Now, Xfinity is a JV. Chase Elliott's on the varsity, and he was the varsity champion last year. So he boots him off and destroys the car. The car got destroyed. He had two choices. Hit a turtle, which they removed for today's race, or hit the grass and ripped the front end of the car off. He didn't have a choice. The turtle was worse. And that was his explanation. And it, for me, as an NASCAR guy, that's disgusting. I mean, I actually thought Chase Elliott was a good dude. You expect Kyle Busch, Logano, Kowalski... Larson just did it with Bell. They're going to dump motherfuckers to win. They don't give a fuck. They will trash you. And that's fine. Rubin's racing. But Chase Elliott was this great guy. He was supposed to be really super nice, and he was a clean racer. Races all over tracks in the country. Does dirt races and sprint cars, and he's from the people. No, he's not. He's a dick cheese. Because that guy's a rookie. He's got like seven races under his belt ever. You're the cup champion. Don't be a dick. So what do we learn today? Well, we learned that a lot of administrations didn't give a fuck about Afghanistan, but we're going to blame Trump for it because that's what we do. And Biden's not going to get held accountable for his rhetoric and lies.
which is what I'm talking about. General Milley, because he's woke, he's now part of the Democrat elite, and he'll still keep his job, even though he should have been relieved for cause for withholding troop strengths and kinetic energy under the previous commander-in-chief, because regardless if you like Trump or not, that is a no-no for the military. But I guess not anymore. Someday we're going to have a Republican president. It's going to be really interesting to see how the media tries to pivot off it when the next guy becomes, well, what mega? As I tweeted numerous times, if he was running around with a mega hat, his ass, his head would be on a spike right now, a la Game of Thrones for misleading the president of the United States. But because he's about white rage and QAnon and all those Reichstag marching Nazis, supposedly that protested at the Capitol, just the protest part, not the attack. He was saying that about the protest. Yeah, he's good to go. He'll keep his job. I will cover Afghanistan deeper later when the dust settles. It's hard to articulate what I'm feeling right now. All I know is I'm waking up and I'm not happy. Lost a lot of friends. Really knew this was going to happen, but it's hard to, it's just hard to grasp it all. Because I knew some bad person was going to rule Afghanistan again. I just didn't know it was going to happen in two weeks. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please share with your family and friends and go to foppodcast.com where you can get links to this show and every show via video and audio. Remember to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yes. We're going to shoot for... Um, Mm. 23rd, hopefully. I get busy come the 18th, and I have no idea how long it'll take to build out uh, my next store. So it'll be some work, and it'll take us some time. So bear with me. But once again, remember, got a back catalog. What, we got 540 episodes? Plenty to listen to out there. Go back and listen to some of the early ones when I was a little more articulate at times because I wasn't, like, uh, stammering with all these stupid slides and all that crap. I thank you all for listening. You stay cool because it's still hot as hell out there. And we will talk soon once I get set up. Take care.